0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Minash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Vero Beach in Florida. Welcome to the show, Brent Bowers.
1: Victor, good to see you again. been a long time.
0: Great to have you here. Now, Brent, it's been a while since you were on the show. And for the folks who haven't met you, maybe give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey.
1: Yeah, I'm just a regular guy. You know, I barely passed high school, barely graduated high school, I should say, and started in real estate in 2007. Uh, 2008, my teeth kind of got kicked in. And I, I quit. I was a big quitter. So I looked for a easier option, ended up joining the military, um, was stationed all over the world and got to do a couple combat deployments. And ultimately, you know, I just was a terrible soldier. I was ready to get the heck out of the military. It was awesome serving my country, but it was quite taxing. I mean, my second deployment, my my wife left me. Uh, Then they pulled me out of Afghanistan and sent me to uh, college uh, where I met the woman of my dreams. And we got married and started having babies. But I was afraid that history was going to repeat itself. So I had a huge why. I think people are motivated by either fear of pain or towards pleasure. I am the fear of the pain type of person. So I knew I needed to do something different, get the heck out of the military so I can do what I wanted to do and not be always gone away from home. So ultimately, I stumbled in land investing. So it's good to be talking to another land investor as well.
0: Well, yes, absolutely. And it's so good to reconnect. We're obviously very deeply invested in what used to be your hometown, in Colorado Springs. You're doing land investing on a high level on a national basis. Tell us a little bit what the strategy is and how it's maybe even shifted over the last 12, 24 months.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what, Victor, my land strategy is uh, way more simple than than I believe what you guys are doing. I am not developing it. I'm just buying it and selling it. And there's a couple of ways I sell it. And that's either I'm assigning my contract, so I'm wholesaling land or flipping land, or I'm doing my favorite strategy is we're buying it really cheap and turning around and seller financing the land and that ge- builds our passive income and our monthly payments. I'm really just trying to be the bank on a much, much smaller scale because it's amazing what you can do with time freedom and financial freedom when you got you know, 10, 12, 15 land parcels paying you each month. I and mean, we brought in $21,000 last month in payments. I mean, Land is the absolute easiest way to be a multi-millionaire in real estate. And there's virtually no competition. What am I seeing with shifts in the market? I'm seeing slowdowns from builders. I am seeing that. But I'm also seeing interest rates go up just like everyone else. But here's the really cool thing is, you know, several years ago, probably, well, I think the first time we talked, it was starting to turn into more of a seller's market for land a couple of years ago. And there's so many things behind that. We don't have enough time for that on this podcast today, but now with the slowdown and the decrease in prices, I'm starting to see more deals out there. I'm starting to see sellers get more realistic and I'm starting to see land going in foreclosure. And this is virtually a recession proof business because I'm only going back maybe 30 days on comps, sometimes three months, max, max six months on comps. And I'm getting this stuff at such a massive discount that it builds in a buffer of safety or a margin of safety.
0: I love that. Now, the other thing that happens with land, of course, is land in and of itself generally doesn't cash flow unless it's a parking lot or something like that. <laughs> so most land development deals typically get funded purely out of cash. I know that's certainly what we like to do as well. We don't like to leverage land, although we occasionally we do. Uh, that also insulates you from... Shifts in interest rates.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Especially, I mean, on the on the buy end for sure, but on the sell end, as these interest rates go up, like we just had a, I had just had a friend of mine buy a house last week. He's paying six percent interest. So when people see that I'm selling land and we charged anywhere from nine to twelve percent, our buyers are not really flinching because they're seeing what prime is, or they're seeing the interest rates out there. It's like, well, you know, it's 6% for a house. I mean, I guess it doesn't make sense to pay 9% for a land because I tried to go to the bank and they said they wouldn't even finance it. So that's just created more opportunity.
0: Absolutely. And the risk that you're taking on in seller financing is not that great because what happens at the end of the day, the worst thing that happens is you get the land back and you were comfortable owning it already.
1: That happens. And unfortunately, and most of the land we're buying, the taxes are extremely low on it. You know, if it's a larger parcel, like the one we were talking about before you hit the record button, you can keep the taxes almost nothing if you keep it agricultural land. Um, So, yeah, the taxes are, are very easily affordable. And most of the time, one out of every 15 of the land deals we do that we sell our finance, we end up taking back over, you know, a certain amount of time. Unfortunately, it's just part of the, you know, the nature of the beast. But most of the time we're already profitable on that land because when we, when we sell it, we collect a down payment, we collect a doc fee, you know, we're charging monthly payments and we get interest and note service fees and all these things. And it's just a shame when someone walks away from it. So we generally try and teach our buyer how to sell it through a real estate agent so they can get their money back and maybe even make money. It turned into an investment for them. That makes sense.
0: Now, when we're talking about land deals, Land comes in all different shapes and sizes, everything from development land to agricultural land to rural land, those are different. What is your focus? Are you aiming for things that are anywhere in the country or is it need to be within a certain radius of a major metro?
1: Yeah, my focus right now is with this shift in this market. It has changed to looking for areas where the demand is still high, where there's still parcels of land selling. You know, how the heck do you figure that out? Go to Zillow or go to Redfin, whichever you prefer. And for instance, I, I did a presentation in Orlando, Florida last night and we went to Redfin, pulled up Orlando and then went to all filters, click that and click sold because we want to see what's selling. You know, the, we'll eventually check out the actual, you know, for sales, but click sold and then scroll down and then select land only and then scroll down a little bit more and just do 30 days or a week. You know, If it's too overwhelming, like Florida, there's a ton of movement out here right now, just do one week and see if you can find a little cluster pattern, almost like a little bullseye where you're hitting the, the target with the uh, arrows. And that tells you there's demand. So ultimately, I am clicking on each one of those, figuring out what they're selling for, how big the parcel is, and number three, who sold it, who the listing agent was, who the buyer's agent was, because that's who the land specialist realtors are in the area, I'm not just going to use Uncle Bob because he's not a land specialist realtor. He might sell one house a year. No offense to Uncle Bob, but he doesn't know the streets and the areas and the locations. So that's where I'm picking right now. Before, last time we spoke, I would do pretty much any vacant residential lot inside the city, outside the city. I'm trying to get more focused on what I'm doing. And it's really easy. Once you see where the demand's at, you can pull a list in that area. Of those half acre parcels or whatever, 10,000 square foot parcels, whatever's the in the most demand and start fishing there, start fishing in that pond.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So are there properties that you would stay away from? For example, are you looking strictly at lots that are connected to municipal services or are you willing to go to more estate lots where maybe even things have to be built off grid?
1: Both, as long as we can get it at a discount. Because here's the thing, you know, ninety nine out of hundred people are not going to accept your your low offer on their land, and they shouldn't. They don't have to. But we're looking for that one person that wants speed or convenience, or they inherited it, or they got it through probate, or you know, they separated, divorced, or bought the land twenty years ago in Colorado and never built the cabin. I'm looking for that, and it doesn't matter if they're septic or municipality water, sewer, none of that stuff. But I want to know what's there because. Some streets might have it. If we're looking at like infill buildable lots, you can go three or four streets over and it doesn't exist. So you need to be careful about that. That's where that land specialist realtor comes in. Because if you have the city water and the city sewer and the electric right there at the lot line, that's what builders and developers or, you know, home home builders, spec home builders, they want that It's shovel ready. But you go three streets down. Oh, we need to do a septic system. We need to dig a well. All right, that lot's worth fifteen or $25,000 less. That's a huge gouge in your profit if you don't know those things.
0: Absolutely. So from a due diligence perspective, let's talk about what is it that drives the value of land. It's really what what's permitted on it. If it's purely agricultural land, that's anywhere from three to 10 grand an acre, most parts of the country, unless you're growing weed on it, in which case it might be a little bit more, but it's in that range. You start talking development land, that you can put single-family homes on it, now you're into a couple of hundred grand an acre. You start looking at land that you can put a high-rise building on it, you're into the millions per acre. So it's really all tied to what you can do with it. And of course, it's got to meet the laws of supply and demand. So I would imagine that zoning has to figure pretty centrally in all of your due diligence.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like we're talking about Colorado Springs. We have a piece of land right off of Academy Boulevard on a six-lane highway highway. And it's zone commercial. And it's also in a government SBA zone. What's the highest and best use for that? So it that's when you get engineers involved. And that's usually, I'm not usually doing a lot of those deals. We do maybe one every couple of years, but I'm doing it with partners, you know, partners that are really smart at that and where we're already approved to build 34 townhomes on it or 84 apartments. But now what about this government SBA zone or hub zone, actually, not SBA hub? hub zone. That brings a whole nother thing of highest and best use. So it's, it's talking to smart real estate brokers and land commercial land brokers. So there's so many niches within this niche to make money. And so many people avoid the land they're going after the dirty old stinky cat pee houses and, and, and houses, you know, there's so many people talking about it on the internet. Oh, make money overnight. You can get rich overnight. It's a get rich quick scheme. No, that is the hardest business ever to get someone to sell you their home at a a massive discount. People are told their entire lives, your home is your biggest investment, unless they're talking to Robert Kiyosaki when he's like, no, your home is not an investment because it doesn't bring money in. But when you try and buy a house at a discount, they've been told their whole life, your home is your investment. Even though they haven't mowed the grass or painted the house in 37 years or even cleaned the carpets, they still want that investment to grow. But land... People don't think like that with land most of the time, unless they're farming it and ranching it. And the way to cash flow it, there's so many ways. So many ways to cash flow it.
0: I love that. Well, Brent, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way?
1: Yeah, I'm telling you, I just got on TikTok. Um, I think last time we talked, I just got on on uh, YouTube. I am talking. I'm doing a video each day on on TikTok. I'm teaching people how to invest in land on TikTok. Brent L. Bowers. And if someone's interested in having me hold their hand personally and show them the ropes, show them the systems I'm using to buy land, how I've become a multi-millionaire and investing land and how we're bringing 21000 a month and just payments, that's before flipping or or assigning any contracts, head on over to thelandsharks.com.
0: Fabulous. Well, Brent, it's awesome to catch up and love what you're doing. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Brent at Brent L. Bowers on TikTok or thelandsharks.com. That's their company website. Links will be in the show notes. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk again tomorrow.